0: Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic or on-premise, and thankfully, once again, on-location or on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept or premise. In this episode, we're discussing heavy containers. This came up at Cloud Field Day, and the question is, heavy containers? Why do we even need those? Why should those even exist? So before we meet or uh, begin, let's uh, meet who's on the panel today. Hi, I'm
1: Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter. I do many things. as uh, Among them, I co-host the Day2Cloud podcast. So you can check that out, day2cloud.io.
2: Hello, my name is Nico Stein. I work out of Maryland. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at Nico A. Stein or on my blog at nicostein.com. And also shout out to my co leaders over in DC for the DC Market user group.
3: Hi, I'm Nathan Bennett. You can connect with me on Twitter at the Nathan Bennett, And you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Nathan Bennett. Um Yeah.
0: So let's talk about this a minute. So the, the, the thing is, the whole premise, the whole idea of containers was that they were lightweight and stateless. and And it seemed like containers were a reaction to virtual machines, that virtual machines had become basically you know, not even all that virtual. No, they, they were pretty substantial. I mean, they're pretty heavyweight, uh, they, they last forever. You got VM sprawl, you've got all these systems, you know, you got to build big bulk up big systems. Containers were supposed to be the opposite of all that, but it kind of seems like they're not that. Am I crazy or are you guys seeing heavyweight containers out there?
1: Well, I'm gonna start by disagreeing with everything you said. Excellent. All right, so let's start with the premise that the idea behind containers was that they were lightweight and stateless. That is how they were first implemented. But I don't think that is why containers existed. Containers existed to deal with the problem of developers saying, well, it worked on my laptop. And when we ship it to production, it doesn't work. Well, what if you could ship the exact same thing you ran on your laptop to production? That's what containers enabled. You could build something in layers. You could describe it with software. And it would be consistent, regardless of where you stand it up. So that's, to me, the big benefit of using containers. And to address the virtual machine thing, virtual machines were not necessarily meant to be lightweight. They were meant to decouple the physical system from the virtual system, to varying degrees of success. But that's what—that was the idea behind virtual machines. So I—I I, I think everything you said was wrong, and I'm correct.
0: Excellent. Thank you,
1: uh, Nico.
0: Is, am I wrong? I think you're wrong. Excellent. All right. <laughs> this is going well. This is off going to well. a great start. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, I think I agree with what Ned said, and also think that the business need it, right? At first, yes, lean and lightweight, and we can just trash them. But then, okay, how do we save the data? How do we save the databases, right? At the end, the developer or the business, it doesn't care really if it runs in a virtual, it runs in a container, it just needs to run. And if it doesn't run anymore, I need to be able to quickly restore it. So now we have backup systems for containers, which yes, originally were probably unheard of, because the idea was like, it, it crashes, I don't need it anymore. I'll delete. I'll spin it up again. So um, even if I don't even know if they're heavyweight, maybe we should decide what we describe as a heavyweight container first before we can agree on this.
3: Yeah. So let me jump in, just in terms of a heavy container, and, and should those exist. Uh, I'm also going to side with my counterparts here. Oh, yes. This nice. is basically just us versus you, Steven. Okay. Um, I, I do believe that there is a place for heavy containers. The idea of abstracting away from the operating system to create an app layer that can be deployed multiple different endpoints is extremely powerful, whether it's heavy or light, whichever the definition of that can be. Um, also the ability, as uh, Nico mentioned, to just rebuild them whenever they crash is again that flexibility. So the statement of containers being lightweight isn't necessarily that the app layer is uh, a small amount of code as much as it is uh, extracted from the operating system.
0: So, yeah, okay, let me follow on that then um, since I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> let me follow on that. So, I I love what you said, Ned, about virtual machines. So the whole idea of virtualization was to abstract basically the the software environment from the hardware. Mm -hmm. Okay, we can all agree on that. It seems to me that the point of containers, and of course containers were developed prior to virtual machines, because the whole point of containers was basically to abstract the functional software environment From the specific operating system instance. So whether you're looking at like BSD jails, or whether you're looking at like you know I'm using like you know Python environments and things like that. Um, You know, in in all these cases, it is let's figure out the minimum set of software that we need to support this application. As you said, Nathan, let's describe the software um, in a consistent way so that we can rebuild that environment exactly the same every time and then let's run something in it. Are we all shaking our heads on that, that that's that's containers right there? Yeah, that's that's the basic idea behind them, yes. So given that, (laughs) and, and given that we want to be able to blow them up and rebuild them, and given that we want to have it be just the software environment, not the entire operating system, not a virtual machine, it really does seem... Whether I'm right or wrong about them having to be stateless and having to be lightweight, it really does seem like the whole point of them is that they're, I don't know, you could call it maybe stateless and lightweight. Short-lived. I mean, it's short lived, maybe, you know, because it's a minimum software environment to me. And in and, and a minimum software environment, you look at that and you're like, huh, so I should be able to blow it away. It should be a small environment. Um, maybe this thing shouldn't be bloated and giant and have like a database inside it or something.
1: Well, I- I feel like we need to define what we mean by like a monster or a heavyweight container. Because you could just be saying it's a container that I've allocated a lot of CPU and memory to. Mm-hmm. OK, so. well, there's nothing intrinsically wrong well, There's nothing with that. wrong
0: with that. I think we can agree to that.
1: Now, if what you're saying is I had this bloated virtual machine that was running, I don't know, a Windows container, because those are a thing that exists uh and i just took that bloated virtual machine and i crammed it into a container so i could run it on kubernetes is that a good idea i'm going to say no on that one because you haven't done the homework to transform it in such a way that it's an immutable image that you're starting with that you're building in layers and that it's all software defined so if you're not doing that if you're just doing like a it's not a p to v it would be like a v to c then that I, I think there's no place for that. It doesn't make sense to me.
0: And, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what I'm feeling here, you know. But yet, you know, I'm hearing maybe some different disagreements here, you
3: guys. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to jump, jump the shark here. Sorry, Nico. Um, I, 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 I think the reason that what we're all kind of wanting to define here is the difference between uh, monolithic or cloud-native solutions. And when I say um A differentiation between the two they can both be monsters you can have a 12-factor app that is just ginormous um, but it's ginormous in small little pieces or you can have a monolithic app that is just this big huge blob that you just want to pull you know like ned said off of a virtual machine and shove it into a container I, i totally agree don't don't do that there are opportunities though of taking a software monolithic solution and transforming in, into a container and then utilizing in that way and i'll use diablo 2 as an example i'm not talking about diablo 2 um, resurrected that everyone knows nowadays and this is a video game reference so for those that don't know what diablo 2 is it's a video game um, the uh, software company that that runs it decided to basically find a different way of providing that that game out to people that wanted to run it and it had a network component that needed to be spun up. So they actually took uh, the software for that, that game. Yes, it's an older game, so it wasn't heavy, quote-unquote, but it was a monolith. They just took it and shoved it into a container and ran it, and lo and behold, it did everything it needed to do. There was nothing extra outside of it that they had to add to it. So there are those use cases, but I would say they're, they're pretty limited in, in what can work and what can't.
2: Yes, yeah, so as an example, for the blow, um, my personal take is it's probably what defines a heavy container if you shove a lot of applications into it, but mm-hmm. right, you still have the normal approach of three tiers, the database and all that, Once we, and I do agree, I think we all agree, with some exceptions, it usually does not work well if you blow the container up because it runs 20 applications in itself. Mm-hmm. Right, also, in terms of redundancy, the high availability and all this but could we agree that this would define a heavy container? Yeah, I I do agree with it. Because I
1: think about the way that we used to approach physical servers. You would load multiple applications on a single physical server running on the same operating system because that was your constraint. Your constraint was the physical server. When we introduced virtual machines, now we can make dedicated VMs for each application component. You could start separating them out and then containers were an extension of that. I can further separate out the components into these microservices. So it does feel like if I'm gonna load up a container with 20 applications, that's going
0: back and you're adding a lot of unnecessary complexity to your container. And specifically because if containers are supposed to be just the software environment needed for a specific application, if you run multiple applications in, the reason that's bad is because those multiple applications might have different requirements, Mm -hmm. right? They might need different libraries, different versions of Libc or Python or whatever it is, and then suddenly the whole point of the container is gone, right? So it's not even a, because I think people could be like, oh, they're just getting philosophical, like you shouldn't run multiple applications. No, the whole point of a container is to keep the applications separate. And so it's to keep their requirements separate and also to keep them in separate security domains. And separate functional domains, and the ability to kind of run different microservices on different physical physical servers, maybe different, you know, something like that, so that you can spread things out and grow them. All these things fall apart if you have multiple applications running in one container,
1: right? Well, not only that, but if something goes wrong with one of those applications that you're running in that container, it's a lot harder to just Mm -hmm. kill that container and spin up a new one and kill the other 19 applications that are running fine. You want to make the fault domain smaller so you can deal with one application at a
0: time. Right. And and when I say applications too, I mean sort of application components. So like, oh, I'm running WordPress. Well, I want the PHP environment to be running in a container. I want MySQL to be running in a different container. And I want, you know, maybe, you know, Luster or something, you know, so that I can share the storage, you know, back end with multiple containers or something. I want that in a different container, right? I want to keep each of these things in a different, so, so it's application components. You know, maybe oh, I've got Nginx load balancing in front of it. Right, mm-hmm. okay, that's a different container. I want to keep those separate for all these reasons: for performance, for scalability, for, for you know, compatibility. There's no reason that I can't install all of WordPress in a container. But that just seems dumb to me. Well, it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll, well,
1: I'll agree. I am gonna play devil's advocate. Play, yes. Oh, <laughs> <you go. laughs> Here it is. So Let's consider one of the benefits of having something in a container is now I can schedule and orchestrate it with a container management system like Kubernetes. So if I'm trying to standardize on a platform in my environment, and that platform is Kubernetes, and I still have some older applications that are running as a virtual or physical machine, perhaps stuffing it into a container so I can standardize
3: on a platform makes sense. So I'll combat that um because when we're talking about stuffing a ton of stuff into a container you're still dealing with multiple different things within the same image and so say you patch one plot, one part that's within that container and it breaks another thing you're still working within an image uh in automation we deal with this with templates all the time especially for those windows those windows guys out there that, <laughs> that run templates you know you you update a template with the windows os patch and next thing you know the whole template is faulty it's very akin to uh, a heavy container in that same way because you're deploying everything off of an image, even with an orchestrator like Kubernetes. It all comes back down to what's in that container. And if you can, if you segment all that stuff out into smaller pieces, it's much easier to patch, update, and manage than it would be within one heavy container image. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree. I mean, we're talking about dependencies, right? It's back to the old Linux kernel where I can install because the dependencies wouldn't resolve. And I think in a way with a Docker image, If you, I don't know if it has happened, If you, but it probably does happen that you really run so many dependencies, then none of the apps will work anymore because mm-hmm. they all require their own um, environment
0: and through the Windows world, then you end up in DLL hell and no one wants that. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. So I'm kind of scratching my head here, gentlemen, because I started off by saying that heavyweight containers shouldn't exist. Then I had the three of you telling me that I'm wrong.
3: Now it feels like you're telling me I'm right. Well, it, it, they should exist in the right way. The journey to Kubernetes has been a long one, and even with the huge orchestration or, uh, for Kubernetes clusters that we've seen lately, it's still not being um, adhered to or adopted by s- several different places just because their applications can't handle it, and so when they move into this idea of what applications can handle it, they probably will find a heavier container than something lightweight that has multiple services broken out in multiple different places right and, and that's kind of where that heavy container does need to exist because it's that adoption journey um, not every contain- not every business wants to be able to just like spin up multiple, Small uh, pods in a greenfield environment. They have to take a brownfield environment and try to change that application to work in a cloud native way. And that app refactoring is is an expensive and time time consuming process.
2: Also, when you're at the beginning of the journey, right? We need to talk a bit more, maybe about stateless and stateful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, container grade, I can spin it up, destroy it, but then. You, especially for companies and smaller businesses who start out with this, right, they're being told like, oh yeah, just spin up a container, it will solve all your problems. Um, no, it will not. But regardless, you also then need to say, okay, my user data, you told me I can destroy this container, now all my, my database is gone. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think a heavy container can play a role. While well, you don't necessarily have to combine everything in it, you need to maybe save, the, you can save the data outside of it clearly as well. But you, some business, just like I want, they treat it as a virtual. Now I'm not saying whether this is right or wrong, but that does happen, right? It's again, I'm more on the business side, clearly. Um, to get my applications to work, I just put them in a container. And that's where I have the heavy container. So but in a perfect world, you would separate everything out, and it's a good idea. But especially
0: the data is a challenge to do this. Yeah. Well, you had me until you said <laughs> that, um, you know, stateful uh, applications mean that you need heavyweight containers because no, you just need to do it right. You just need to get the data a lot of out of. Don't the...
2: do it right, but
0: it does exist. Yeah, but it's just so frustrating to me, and frankly, it's super frustrating to me that even things on, like you know, Docker Hub, are configured to store data, stateful data, in the container, and I'm like, what are you people doing? Don't you know what's happening here? Anyway, sorry. I i rant
1: i mean you're not wrong if you're going to store data along with the container you should provision a volume that doesn't live on that container and you know in some sort of uh, persistent storage outside of it that that's certainly true one thing i think you have to weigh the costs versus the benefits because when we were making the move from physical machines to virtual machines, there were some compromises and weird stuff that we had to do to get around the edges of what happened in a physical server. Remember virtual dongles? Because you had that one piece of software for your security cameras or something, or or, or a rendering thing, and it had a USB thing that had to go in the server to run. Well, how do you turn that into a VM? We have to create like a virtual dongle. Lots of other examples like that when it came to physical servers, pinning into a specific CPU for licensing reasons. I think you have to make some of the same compromises if you're going to containerize an application. And the benefits that you're getting from containerizing that application need to outweigh the costs or the compromises you need to make when you're migrating from one to the other. So are you getting those benefits? I don't know,
2: that, it depends. I think it does depend, but especially from physical, run there was accountants, there was a clear like, okay, we don't need to spend $8,000 on the server anymore, right? This was tangible, it was a right, the amount was really there. Now, if I tell the counterpart, hey, we're moving from a virtual to a container, they will ask me, so what do we save?" It's like, I'm actually not so, qu-. it's it's harder to number, right? We're not getting rid of a server. You're probably gonna spend more time because we need to get the knowledge and we need the set and learning, which is great, but it's a bit harder to sell it outside of IT. And then a lot of questions is, Yes, it depends, and I've said it before, not everything makes sense to put into a container. It is not your golden shot, right? Like, we have mm-hmm. a problem, we have a business problem, let's put in a container. Well, no, that's not going to fix it. Yeah, then you have a containerized business yes. problem. <laughs> you still have the same problem. It's not, and it, Lately, or not re- somewhat recently, was a bit sold in general, especially in the IT world, hey, you all need to do containers, it's going to solve all your problems. And that's where I'm still like, no, it's not. You, at the end of the day, you're probably going to have more problems than where you were to begin with.
3: So I just want to add two things. The one thing, uh, the type of quickness and orchestration ha- that people look at in orchestrations like Kubernetes has existed for a long time outside of Kubernetes and uh, the VM world, um, just not in the way that people have a- actually been looking at it in terms of a package, and in terms of the networking, the storage, all of the things were all- rolled in, right? And that's where, you know, when we talk about not everything should be Uh, containerized. That's when you can see how things that are in a VM can actually have some item potency, the ability to be, you know, deployed the same way over and over and over again. And it has amazing tool sets out there nowadays that I'm sure Ned can talk way more about than I can. Um, (laughs) The other thing that I wanted to touch on was the question that we were asked was, should heavy containers not exist? And being good technologists, we can't say yes, because they definitely have a place. But also being good technologists, we have to say that place is a very short term type place it's not this like long term hey let's take this big huge mother and shove it into a container and live have it live for years and years but it's a place in a journey it's a place in a very specific application and so that's where we get back to the whole "Eh, it
0: depends 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 I don't like that answer. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm a purist, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, that just ain't a container. Um, if you're shoving an entire thing, because like I said, the whole point of a container is that the specific software environment for a single application component is contained in it. If you're shoving something in there that doesn't belong in there, then it just isn't. It just isn't. It shouldn't be that way, and it makes me crazy. But... I will concede that there are probably times when you are transforming applications or as actually Ned's point about basically the, the, the last few holdouts, like the last 10%. Yep. Okay, shove them in a container. <laughs> you know, If everything's on, if 90% of the stuff is on Kubernetes and then that, and then that 10% isn't, and, and you really want to move over to that and you really want to get the other benefits of that, I will concede that I would allow you to create a heavyweight container. I just won't like it.
3: My 64 ounce Tupperware is still a 64 ounce Tupperware, whether you fill it up a quarter or really fill it up the whole. But it's still a container.
1: <laughs> He's got a valid point. Can't argue with a 64 ounce
0: container. <laughs> Can't. So so, let's uh, come to a conclusion here. Um, I'm going to take the last word because that's the benefit of being the host. Uh, let's go in the opposite opposite. Uh, should uh, should heavyweight containers exist or should they not exist? They they should exist. They do
1: exist. <laughs> that's, that's very philosophical of it. They, they shall exist. <laughs> uh. Really hard to come down on. I, I would say heavy containers should not
0: exist. Somebody agrees with me. Okay, <laughs> I I am with you. You shall not pass. No, there should not be. This is, this is wrong. Do I concede that they do exist? Yes, you're right, Nico. They do exist. Should they exist? No. You're doing it wrong. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you'll do the work to.
1: Decouple the components of your application and turn them into individual containers on their own, mm-hmm. and then you know manage them separately. Ideally, ideally. Let me know when we get to that world. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and let me do a quick public service announcement here. As your resident storage guy, uh, storage nerd, as it were, um, do your containers contain stateful data? Do your containers contain data measured in when gigabytes or more than that? You're doing it wrong. Take that data out of the container and use an external volume. Please, you're doing it wrong. That's the more you know. There we go. Um, So thank you guys for having this conversation. I really did enjoy it. I love the fact that we are on-premises for this episode of the On-Premise Roundtable. Um, This is how it was born. And this is how it should be. And I think that it's a lot more fun to have the conversation in person. But, of course, I'm glad to be able to connect with you all virtually as well. Mm-hmm. So before we go, uh, I'd like to ask you all, uh, where can people connect with you and follow your thoughts on gymongous containers? Uh, again, Twitter, Ned1313,
1: or my website, nedinthecloud.com.
2: And for me, again, Twitter, Nico A. Stein, or my website, nicostein.com.
3: Twitter for me is v Nathan Bennett, and I have a blog. It's uh, nerdynate.life.
0: And as for me, you can find me on the Twitters at S. Foskett. You can also find me uh, blogging and uh, recording videos and so on at ishtaltit.com, uh, of course, techfieldday.com. And actually, all of us are here in California for Cloud Field Day. So if you look on your favorite YouTube for uh, Tech Field Day, uh, videos from Cloud Field Day 12. Uh, you'll see the comments of these folks uh, talking about the networking, and application orchestration, and all sorts of things this week here with Cloud Field Day. So thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, of course, please do subscribe, rate, review, Uh, I know every podcast says that, but it really does help. Uh, Honest, it does. Uh, And please do share this uh, with your friends, especially if they need that message about heavyweight containers containing lots of storage. Um, This podcast is brought to you by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time.